0: From Yahoo Finance, this is Electionomics. I'm Rick Newman.
1: And I'm Alexis Christopher. So glad you could be with us this week for Electionomics. So with less than three months to go before we cast our ballots for president, the NPR-PBS NewsHour Marist poll finds former Vice President Joe Biden leading President Donald Trump by 11% among registered voters nationally. Joining us now to discuss the results of that poll is Lee Meringoff, director of the Marist College Institute For public opinion. Ali, always good to have you on the podcast. I guess we should just note up top, this poll was taken before Biden named Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate. We're going to talk about that a little later on. But, but, um, you know, mail-in balloting has been such a a big topic really at the forefront the past week or so. Um, I'm curious what this poll found in terms of people's comfort level with going in person to vote come November 3rd, if that's available in their district? What did you find?
2: Well, I mean, I think, you know, in the era of, uh, you know, uh, COVID-19, certainly there's, you know, some added concern. Uh, This has been a trend that's been growing anyway in terms of the in-person versus the mail-in or absentee. What we see is a huge difference between the Biden-anticipated voters who are much less likely to vote in-person and more likely to go through the mail route and the Trump voters who are telling us overwhelmingly that they do plan to vote in person and are less likely to do the mail route. So what's happening here is why the Democrats are so you know, up in arms over this, is because a lot of their voters are more likely to vote in the early voting period as opposed to uh, election day itself. I might add on this. Um, this is a, you know, exaggerated uh, phenomenon this time but Barack Obama in both of his elections technically lost on election day to McCain and Romney. It was the early vote that created the margin to sustain his ultimate victories. So Democrats have been voting early uh, and Republicans more likely to actually vote on, on uh, election day itself. Although one doesn't know this year because all rules are broken this year and, you know, given the, concerns Democrats have over suppression and stuff like that, maybe they'll vote on election day more, who knows?
0: Lee, can you go a level deeper on that? Um, sure. Why are Republicans more likely to want to vote in person and why are Democrats more likely to want to mail in a vote? Is it because Democrats uh, plan ahead better or uh, uh, Democrats are homebodies? I mean, what is going on that explains <laughs> that partisan but, difference? I think,
2: I think it has to do a lot with mobility. Uh, and so if you're, you know, in college, away at college, if you're, you know, uh, not likely to think you're going to be in the area, you sort of take care of your ballot early. Um, the, uh, there's an age difference. Older folks who tend to be more Republican, they're the ones who tend to vote more uh, in person. Um, so I, I don't think it has to do with a planning sequence as much as it has to do with uh, you know, just the mobility factor. And, um, and also the, you know, both sides have done efforts to get people to vote early because they obviously would like to have their votes you know, in the hopper before Election Day and not depend on it. Um, so there's that part, uh, and Democrats have been focusing more on that. Uh, Republicans do as well, um, but not to the extent that the, that the Democrats have. Also, there are states that, as you know, do only mail valid. Uh, So, like Utah and Washington, Oregon, uh, and I believe Colorado, have been doing this 100% for a while in terms of people, uh, you know, mailing it in in advance. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's an interesting process. It wreaks it, it havoc for the folks who do the exit polls because they don't have as many people and it's not necessarily a, a representative group or actually exiting from the voting booth. So they have to do pre election phone calls and do the exit polls to kind of get the right mix. So uh, it's an added conundrum for that.
0: So, so pre- President Trump, uh, obviously. Uh, opposed to mail uh, voting for whatever reason. And he seems to think that um, mail voting gives Democrats an advantage over Republicans. I mean, he has as much as said that. So he he also claims there's a lot of fraud and there's no evidence. So put that issue the fraud aside. Is it, um, can you make the case that um, mail-in voting actually benefits Democrats over Republicans?
2: Well, it's that Democrats do uh, vote. I mean, just to look at our last poll, uh, that that was mentioned at the at the start. Uh, uh, de- Democrats, um, uh, the Biden people, are sixty two thirty six to mail it in. So almost not two to one, but a healthy difference. Uh, the Trump backers, seventy two percent, say they're planning on voting in person. So if you are a strategist, that's, that's a large difference. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. And that's why you're seeing the president, you know, you know, full throttle on, you know, getting this, uh, you know, trying to, you know, do something that, you know, puts a roadblock in front of the the mail. And uh, the Democrats are looking for court cases and coming back to Congress uh, to uh, to try to stop any changes. So this is not a battle without huge consequences. Now, the battle itself may change people's behavior. Uh, and Democrats are maybe saying, gee, maybe I should go, you know, wait till election day. Uh, but then you get to the issue of, you know, the number of voting booths. And one of the things that's really interesting is I saw the Los Angeles uh, LeBron James is organized to have voting at stadiums uh, on election day to try to entice people. And other uh, baseball and basketball and football arenas are considering opening those up. So. Gosh, there's nothing occurring in 2020 that uh, resembles anything we've seen before.
1: Lee, you've been doing this
2: for a long time.
1: There's been some talk on Wall Street that perhaps we're going to have a little post-election chaos. You know, I mean, the market's already volatile and 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 some investors are betting on that volatility because we may have a contested election. What are the odds of that actually happening? I don't know if you asked in your poll at all, but just you, what, are, what are your thoughts oh. on
2: I mean, I think, you know, unless someone wins handily, like 10%, the likelihood is that because of the extensive mail ballot and the delay, slowness in counting, just the physical, you know, uh, effort, it goes into, uh, you know, counting the actual number of of mailed in ballots, um, there's a strong likelihood that, in fact, we do get a sort of a, a revision of what happened in 2000, Uh, which had to do with just Florida. We might have, you know, a half a dozen very contested states uh, where we don't know who's won. Uh, You know, people will be able to analyze, you know, well, you know, so-and-so carried Florida and maybe that makes a difference in the... But we won't really know. And I think that that's going to be a very unsettled time for the American populace and the stock market, quite frankly, where you have, uh, you know, concerns over not even the, not even arguments of rigged and hoaxes and frauds and all those things, but just the mere fact that we could get well into November uh, before we have a sense of who's actually won the presidential election. So, you know, I think it's without a surprise if we do have a delay, uh, it would be a surprise right now if on November 3rd, we do have a winner projected. Uh, but as I say, everything in 2020 is coming brand new for our democracy, and and the economy is going to be in abeyance in terms of, you know, who ends up in the policies, the countries that going to go in. We're not going to know probably in the first week of November. Am I the only one who feel dizzy and nauseated? <laughs> yeah, we're all exhausted. I, I, I you yeah. know, we're not as bad off as you journalists are because you guys, you know, have just been you know having to cover daily cataclysmic Yeah,
0: Chaos chaos is good for business, I guess, in a way. Um, (laughs) For us, anyway, Lee, you you mentioned that everything is different this time. Uh, I want to ask about the conventions. We're in the midst of the conventions. um, And what's typical is each candidate gets a little bit of a bump in the polls, two or three or four or 5%, but obviously these conventions are different. Do you think the conventions will make any difference at all? uh, Or is this just good? Are we just going to go right through this with most people not noticing?
2: Well, I I would go with the the latter. Uh, You know, I think the conventions are being uh, broadcast such as they are virtually uh, to a very narrow audience. I mean, Democrats are going to be watching the Democrat convention, Republicans watching the Republican convention. And then you have this group in the middle who both sides are trying to still persuade, and it's not a very large group. And that's why you don't get in an era of polarization, hyperpolarization this time, Uh, You don't get huge bounces because you don't have that many persuadable voters out there. We haven't had a big post-convention bounce uh, really since 2000. Uh, The big one was 1992 with uh, Bill Clinton. um, And there were circumstances with Ross Perot and other things that created that. But you get a bounce when you have a lot of undecided voters. And that you also, because the challenging party in this case, the Democrats goes first, um, you always get the sort of the introduction to the American people with the first convention, the challenging convention, and that's packaged in a way to try to attract these persuadable voters. And then the incumbent sort of takes it all back or a lot of it back, you know, the following week or whenever it is. But that's sort of something that occurred, you know, that's so last century in some ways. Mm-hmm. And and right now, uh, you know, the expectation, I mean, I saw somebody said uh, Biden may get eight to 10 points. Well, that's very unlikely because there's barely that many on the table to be gotten at this point.
0: What is your your best estimate of how many, what the percentage of undecided voters is? Five percent?
2: The persuadables. We look at more of the persuadables because there are people who say right now that they're Uh, supporting a candidate but that they might vote differently by election day so we take those and put them in the undecided and it comes to around 10 percent uh so you just don't have you know you're not going to get a bounce of 16 points that bill clinton had in 1992 unless the convention is so overwhelming that you attract people who are going and say i'm pretty supportive of donald trump and uh you know, I'm not undecided and I'm not saying I'm going to vote differently. I'm either a strong supporter or a fairly strong supporter. And are so you, you just are don't are have you, a lot on the table. Are you getting uh, an indication yeah. of how those um, undecided
1: voters um, are, are leaning right now?
2: Well, it, it's interesting. The undecided voters are, you know, sort of like said by some pundits. and I don't like the term, but they're called the haters uh, and <laughs> because they dislike both candidates um, it's sort of an odd uh, part of the art uh, slice of the electorate. In, in 2016, of course, the folks who disliked Hillary Clinton and disliked um, Donald Trump swung at the end for Donald Trump. Uh, right now, we're seeing the opposite. Uh, and it has to do with the fact that Donald Trump is now the incumbent president. So we're seeing more of these so-called haters or people who dislike both of them going in double digits more at this point to Joe Biden so if there is a fence sitter who is sort of doing the you know the you know the old hold your nose and vote kind of thing um, it's a voter who's at this point leaning more towards uh, Joe Biden but that's still you know you know on the one hand the election you know it's like 80 days away and on the other hand people start voting in a couple of weeks in some of these early voting states Leona. Leona I
0: Biden's lead. Um, so about, I think, 11 points in your poll. Sure. Uh, the aggregate uh, that I just saw is 7.7 points. And a lot of people say they expect the uh, race to tighten um, sure. as we get closer to Election Day, uh, kind of because that's just what normally happens. Is, mm-hmm. is that is, that does the race just happen to tighten um, in typical fashion or uh, what do you I mean? What what is like? What do you think is likely to happen? Yeah, you know,
2: that's a that's a good uh, crystal ball uh, question. Which, unfortunately, I left in my office uh, at Marist College. If I'd known you could answer, I would have brought the Christmas ball, the, uh, the the ball with me, uh, crystal ball with me for this remote interview. Um, but you know, what you do I have crystal ball on the Google Hangout, maybe. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. I, I could I could uh, do it that way. Um, so so we have a a a likelihood that things do get tighter, uh, but I don't think that's a guarantee. Uh, And um, I think it has to do with really what issues are on people's minds. Uh, Here's the best scenario for a tighter race. Uh, There's a sense, let's say, that a vaccine is just around the corner and people are increasingly saying, well, the next issue is how do we restart this economy? And then they say, well, you know, we had a pretty decent economy going before we got into this coronavirus. And that might create the scenario that there is a tightening because I would play more Donald Trump's way. Um, People who think the economy is the most pronounced issue um, are at best even between the two and more likely to tip in the President Trump's way. So that's the scenario for him. If on the other hand, people are still concerned about race relations and especially the coronavirus, um, if that's still, you know, front and center in people's minds, those are people who overwhelmingly support Joe wow. Biden. If that's the issue, like we have today, um, barring any other kinds of, you know, shenanigans one way or the other, uh, there's a good likelihood that that would play Biden's way. So I don't think there's an automatic here. I know in the past things have gotten closer. Um, it's usually because, well, I shouldn't say it's usually because of a challenger catching up, but very often, uh, the dynamics are less so about the debates and even less so about the conventions, which you've been talking about. There's no sort of big moment. Uh, I guess there's still October surprises, uh, but uh, the way things are be going, I mean, we have a surprise almost daily. So I think people are kind of like conditioned even to that.
1: We have three yeah. debates yeah. Up, right? between... Is it going to be three debates between Trump and Biden? Or is one yes, of the... Yes. Do we know if those are going to be virtual guys yet or the well, we,
2: we we don't know we don't know who the moderators are either uh although the white house put out a list of acceptable moderators um so so you know the first one is September 29th and that's for the Democrat, uh, for the uh presidential debate um and then there's two more presidential uh and the last one i believe is October 22nd i could be wrong on that date but it's late in October and in between is the vice presidential debate, which is will be very well watched, uh, but isn't usually a mover of voters. I mean, the the uh, the, the classic was uh, the Lloyd Benson, uh, Dan Quayle debate where he clobbered uh, Benson with, you know, I knew John F. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy was a friend of mine, and you know John F. Kennedy. Well, that was like a knockout punch, except it didn't move any voters. <laughs> and So, I mean, the vice presidential debate is more for theater. <laughs> than, <you know. laughs>
1: Going to be a little fiery now that we've got Kamala Harris in the race. And have you polled anybody about, uh, you know, Biden's pick for VP yet?
2: Well, I've seen some polls. Our field poll dates were right at the end of when he picked her. Um, generally, the first blush has been positive towards her. I think it, it was an odd pick in that it's been seen as both historic and safe which I think is almost like a contradiction in terms. So you did something really historic, but you didn't take a risk doing it. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, I think right now that, you know, they, they think that she will prosecute the case uh, against uh, Donald Trump uh, effectively. And, you know, this is all about expectations. And so the expectations will be that her debate will be, you know, uh, you know very strong against uh, Vice President uh, Pence. Um, but then again, Pence isn't an amateur at these things. You know, this isn't his first rodeo either. So it can that you know that can affect that. I think the debates are going to be reinforcing rather than shifting in public opinion. Um, we saw you know Barack Obama against Mitt Romney have a terrible first debate, and everybody was saying, "Wow, that's going to shake up the race," and it didn't. It meant the Romney people got, "Wow, we really did it." And the Obama people kind of put their heads down and said, yeah, I hope he comes back in the next one. But people didn't then start switching around. And last time, I mean, the conventional wisdom of Hillary Clinton did very well in the debates. Uh, and obviously there has not been a President Clinton since Bill Clinton.
0: Lee, uh, you, uh, President Trump has been pushing this one line of attack against Biden, that he's senile mm. and cognitively challenged. Sure. Um, now, Trump voters might believe that, um, but they're not. The ones he needs to persuade. Uh, do, do you find any uh, evidence that
2: people believe that? Well, right now the negatives on Joe Biden are, he's upside down, he's minus seven uh, in terms of his unfavorable versus favorable. The same thing for, for uh, President Trump is minus 25. So when it comes to the comparison, you know, in terms of their negatives, in terms of their character and likability, uh, it really plays much stronger to Biden's advantage. Um, You know, it's sort of a little like a Hail Mary pass for the White House because, you know, Donald Trump obviously isn't the most articulate of presidents uh, and tends to flood words, too. So we're sort of hoping that in the debate or maybe at the convention or some other interview uh, that Biden kind of like goes off on a tangent, not unlike what Ronald Reagan did in 1984 in the first debate where he told that famous story at the end. And uh, it never really ended. And so we had to come back at the next debate and kind of make a great one-liner to pull it back because people were really getting worried in that Reagan camp about you know, his capabilities at that point. So I, I don't think, you know, short of any surprising you know, moments, I mean, look, last week we saw uh, uh, Joe Biden taking a bicycle ride. And I mean, it sort of looked like a hardy thing to do uh, for someone who is 78 and, and supposedly not with all his faculties. Um, so you know, has, uh,
0: I hope I hope this comes up at one of the debates. Biden has challenged Trump to a push-up contest, and I think, I think the moderator should should say, um, "Could each of you please do uh, ten or fifteen push-ups?"
2: Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I suspect both would be huffing and puffing, but then again, so would I. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get in the middle of that one. Maybe the moderator can join them. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, yes. Uh, I remember uh, Colbert, Stephen Colbert did a push-up competition. Was that with Chris Cuomo? I think it was. Um, yeah. Right, right. And um and, uh, Colbert is was different huffing different.
1: and puffing. Colbert. Yeah,
2: yeah, they were huffing and puffing at the end. Um, but, so, yeah, so look, I, I think th- th- there's going to be a lot of showmanship in this race. Um, you know, uh, Donald Trump obviously, you know, brings that to any a daily event uh, joe biden is not particularly shy uh, so we're gonna expect a lot of fisticuffs at that, those debates but again the question is do, do they reinforce or do they persuade and my expectation is it's a little early to handicap the debates but i think this is going to be more about which issues are on people's minds rather than the performance of the candidates, yeah. uh, barring anything strange. Occurring.
1: Yeah, the issue, <laughs> I mean, in this latest poll, who do people believe is better suited to help the economy? Because that's always a big issue. It's a big yeah. issue in this year, yeah. um, in this pandemic, so hard to call it. But do they actually, was it, are they pretty evenly divided on who they in think our, are better?
2: In our numbers, they're evenly divided. a slight advantage to President Trump Um, but he's doing much better in terms of the economy than he is in terms of race relations and the coronavirus. In the latest NBC uh, News Wall Street Journal poll, the gap was about 10 points in favor of Donald Trump. We were about two point difference. So they actually had it more. Um, And this has been something that clearly the White House knows. And to their lack of planning, their desire to open up the economy or to reopen it up, perhaps early, uh, created some real concerns on the part of voters because they wanted to get back to the economy. They would be better off getting back to the economy had they kept things tied down a little longer because we would have been in better shape right now with the coronavirus. It's very hard to get people to focus on economic rejuvenation when we're, you know, it's a thousand a day in terms of the casualties. Uh, that that becomes very, very hard um, unless you're getting a little numb to that, which is possible too. But it seems that the best thing for the president at this point is, as I said earlier, is the notion that there's a vaccine here or there's one just around the corner uh, so that the agenda for the second term is not going to be about the coronavirus as much as it's going to be about restarting and reopening and, and regenerating uh, the economy. And if that's the case, that's the best thing Donald Trump has right now. Best
0: Lee, case. a very good question here as we're almost running out of time. So you've talked to us before about what happened in the polls in 2016. And yet people remain remarkably skeptical of polls because they were, quote, wrong in 2016. So um, what is your short answer when people say to you, why should I trust the polls in 2020, given what happens and happened in 2016? What's your short answer
2: to that? Short answer is separate out from the polls, which actually weren't bad in 2016. And these prognosticating forecasts where they say there's an 82 percent chance that Hillary Clinton would be elected or in this case, Joe Biden's already in the 70s on that. So there's that issue, and then there's the difference between the Electoral College, of course, and the popular vote. Two of the last five presidential elections, 2000 and the last one, of course, uh, someone won the popular vote but didn't win the White House. If you don't believe the polls, tell by what the candidates are doing. Joe Biden's happy to remain not active on the campaign trail. Donald Trump is out there because they know they have to keep you know, a a strong enthusiasm and a mobilization behind them.
1: All right. Lee Meringoff of uh, Marist College. Always a pleasure. And uh, thank you all for uh, tuning in this week. Be sure to follow
0: me at Alexis TV News. And me at Rick J. Newman. And Lee, do you want
2: anyone to follow you? I follow me. I don't know. I, I, as long as you're not a police officer, and I'm speeding down the road, you can just follow me at uh, uh, at uh, at Lee Marin Golf. Is a good place, or, or at Marisport. Marisport. All
1: right. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, guys, and we'll see you all next week. Bye, bye.